Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming to you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Wonderful guest today, the amazing, the funny, Sophia Benoit. Sophia is a writer, screenwriter, comedian, and um, the reason this episode came to be, I so I've been following Sophia on Twitter for a very long time. Her her handle is the number one follower, like so number one follower, no dad. So one follower, no dad. Anyhow, so I'm on the internet. Somehow I get across this article called "Women in Comedy: Why We Must Not Let Funny Become the New Hot." Anyhow, I. Uh, I just, I just ended up reading this article and really just fucking loved it. It was very well written. I just really, really enjoyed this article. Uh, so I, as I do, if I'm online and I follow an article and it has the link for the author, I click it so I can like follow them online and their Facebook. I don't know, but anyway, I click it and I was like, oh, that's the uh, the funny girl on Twitter that I follow. Uh, so I asked her if she wanted to be a guest because I just love talking to people involved in the world of comedy and entertainment. And especially when they're funny and smart. So Sophia, so nice, and said yes. Come on, we had a great conversation. I recommend you follow her. If you don't use Twitter, you should check it out. It's really fucking fun. People like Sophia really make it great. But um, just what a fucking awesome conversation. We had. I had. A, I had a great time talking with Sophia. I had listened to her on a bunch of other podcasts. Very young, which I. Just someone's young and has like a good head on their shoulders of like what they want to do and they're already doing it. Get to hear her talking about working or interning rather at like Growlings or Funny for Die and so all this really great stuff. Um, performing stand up in LA, just such a great episode. I do want to apologize for the sound. I don't know what happened. I've been trying. I did the best to make it sound the best it could. Whenever I speak, it's going to sound like a lot of background noise. Something happened on my end. Um, I'm really sorry, Sophia. I. This is I just I did everything I can. Um, anyway, follow us on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast. There's a Facebook page. Uh, all of the uh, links to this episode and all the other wonderful stuff are on the Misfits Podcast Network's webpage, the Misfits Podcast, themisfitsnetwork.com. Uh, anyway, thank you, Sophia, for coming on. Let's get to it. I like sometimes people would tweet me like something funny. I was like, oh, I said that? Where? <laughs> oh, good good for me. Like Good for me. Yeah. Like, Look at me, go. me today, I guess I had said that uh, like I compared the uh, Daredevil Netflix's Daredevil to like I call it like the wire of the comic book shows. And then I read it and didn't know I said it. I was like, wow, that's really funny. I wonder who wrote that. And then someone's and my friend was like, I'm quoting you from your show. I was like, good for me. Wow, I did it. I'm smart sometimes. But um, yeah, <laughs> I still well, agree. So much. Um, like, I'm sure you get this all the time. Um, obviously, I followed you on Twitter and you're really fucking funny. Oh, thank you. I. <laughs> Thanks. I don't get that all the time, but thank you. No. Uh, well, the three podcasts I listened to you on today, they, they were all saying this, all the same intro. Like you're really funny on Twitter, but it was oh. kind of funny because then you're. Um, I felt like my hum- our sense of humor lined up. Like you're very self-deprecating, and I was like, oh yeah, this is my this is my people. <laughs> I'm very self-deprecating because it keeps you from being mean to people in comedy. I feel like. Yeah. 
I'm from Connecticut, which is like self-deprecating central. <laughs> like, yeah. The Northeast in general is just that kind of mentality. But um, so like, where, where are you from originally? I'm from St. Louis, and um, from like a big Italian family, so it's basically like being from the Northeast, and um, yeah, that's just Missouri, that that place. <laughs> Isn't that you what know. is it, John Hamm and like Ellie Kemper, is that, are they from St. Louis? They are. My little sister, actually like all my little siblings go to the school that John Hamm used to teach at, and they have like this big picture of him on the wall, like he did anything i don't know it's weird it's weird yeah and there's like a, a handful of people from st louis i i've never been out there but i've heard it's lovely but... it's something no yeah. it's <laughs> you can skip it is what i'm trying to say sorry st louis like but you can skip it <laughs> no we're not like the tourism board here <laughs> yeah st louis sorry. is dropping spike because you said something negative on the podcast <laughs> they don't let me back no uh, and then um but like how long have you been out in uh, L.A.? Well, I moved out here for school, so I came out... I'm, I'm almost at... I'm like four and a half, five years out here. I just graduated a year ago, so... Oh, all right. So you're like... Um, I mean, I don't know. When you go to school, you don't technically live there, but like you actually live there live there now. Yes, I... That is very true. When I say that I've lived out here for four years, like I was at, in a bubble of living on USC's campus for most of it. So until I like got a job and did real people things. Yeah, you know, no, yeah, I know what you mean. But I was the exact same way. I was like, yeah, I lived in Vermont when I started, went to school, and then like, and then I lived, I moved out of my parents' house. I was like, oh, that's way different living in. I lived in a dorm. I was like, interesting. When uh, I run out of band aids, they don't just replenish themselves. <laughs> Isn't um, that odd? Yeah. And, um, so, and then, like, so, you have, I, I'm, I'm curious about, like, the new generation of comedy of, like, because, like, you're, you have, like, a, a fuck ton of Twitter followers, but I don't, I'm wondering, does that actually, like, what does that amount to? Like, I, I mean, I know I've heard a lot of good stories about people getting success from it. Um, it amounts to a lot of parental disappointment, um, and... <laughs> I actually, I know people downplay how cool Twitter is because they oh, want to seem like they're not into it, but I have gotten so much from Twitter between, like, friendships with really cool people that are actually real, you know, comedians, writers, things like that. And then I've also just gotten the opportunity to, to write for places, and I've gotten people reaching out to me and saying, like, oh, hey, I really liked this thing, if you ever want to pitch something to me let me know um and that's definitely rare but it's all been from twitter like nobody was gonna just email me while i you know like if i didn't have a twitter no one was like i bet you this girl is really funny like let's find her um but i did a lot of stand-up in college i did stand up for four years and i did it at least once a week so i honestly started twitter as a way to write jokes and make myself write and like a certain number of jokes a day like I would just make arbitrary rules for myself where I'd be like you have to write you know 15 tweets today and just so it was really a tool more than anything no no I mean it clearly it clearly pays off I mean because like I, I definitely got on there it's like oh this is easy I'm gonna have a thousand like 50,000 followers it's really and then you're like huh like the people like you who have like the 20,000 or whatever like there's definitely something to it and like 
I think I don't know how I found you, but I've been following you for a while, but every time you're one of the people that pop up, I'm like, man, that's really fucking funny. How does someone do that before? There's, like, a few people on there, and that you were just one of them. And then it was kind of fun to listen to you on a podcast, because then it's like, there's, like, a full, there's, like, oh, there's a person behind this Twitter feed I've been reading for <laughs> last, whatever, it, like, a few months. It's me. And then <laughs> it was, and it, well, I remember I was at work one day, and probably not working, and then you had, I don't know if you tweeted it, but it was an article that you wrote. Was it The Guardian, I believe? I think probably I write for I've written a couple for them yeah yeah about um I'm trying I'm trying not to paraphrase it poorly but it was about like how you you were talking about when you took a stand up class the guy who said that like as a woman when you get on stage every guy in the audience is just basically trying to decide if they want to fuck you or not and yeah obviously you had the opposite view which you were right but like I was it was a really good article and I was like oh wait I follow that person on Twitter and then it was like I have to have her on the show this is that well, thank you. No, that's a, a very real piece of the Twitter puzzle of, like, the weird sexual, like, overtones from random strangers that I've never met in my life that are very bizarre, you know? Dudes are creepy. I don't know, like, what it is, but, like, the more internet comes more within the mainstream and, like, more I'm more now aware of, like, what... John Oliver did that great piece of, like, I don't know if you watched last week tonight, that great piece on, like, what women face on the internet. He's like, if you've been on the internet and you have a white penis, the internet's been great. And then it had, like, a whole piece. So I was like, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I don't get any weird sexual advancements or comments about anything ever. But, oh, like, it's weird. It's but, so weird. Yeah. Honestly, the worst ones... Not that, like, the abuse ones aren't awful and terrible, but at some point I think I kind of built a good wall against those ones where I'm like, those people don't matter to me. Like, I don't need to think about them, or I just kind of make fun of them. But the worst ones are, like, the guys that have really, really boring responses to every single one you tweet, everything you tweet, and they'll just, like, try to keep this joke going with you, but they're, like, they're nice and they're probably really well intentioned, but it's so boring. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to read this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so that the story that you wrote about for the Guardian—that's like a true story. Like a, com- a comedy code told, like told you that, and like it's just upsetting me. Like, I mean, I, as much as I love comedy, I like to always think of it as such a, this forward-thinking thing. But then I kind of realize if you like comedy as like a mainstream thing, like the, like the blue collar comedy tour or whatever like not everyone feels those same views because like i love going to comedy shows and like i see females who are comedians and that's not my first thought and i don't think most dudes when a woman gets on stage that's their thought it's just like make me laugh i think it's it, it's really a lot more backwards than people think it is like the i mean whether it's stand-up or um you know female directors female writers like it's like, Congress has better percentages than we do of male-to-female and minority inclusion than we do in, like, Hollywood and writing and comedy. And, like, Congress is famous for being bad at it. And, like, when you think about it in those kind of terms, it's like, oh, we're we're not doing a good job. We're, I usually, I mean, for all the stand-up shows I've ever done, only two of them have ever, and I wish I had, like, a number of how many I'd done, but... Only two of them have ever had an, another woman with me on the show. Like, they just don't 
we don't go out of our way to, to include women or include minorities in it that well. No, it, and, like, that was what I loved about the article, because, like, the, the business of it, like, it's, like, bookers, it's clubs, it's, um, I think I was listening to Jen Kirkman on a podcast talking about, like, all the sexist things that she incurred her coming up that she just, like, didn't kind of get until she was a little bit older. I think she was talking about, like, doing a show in, like, Boston, of all places, with, like, Eugene Merman and being told that she couldn't be on the bill because she was too weird. With, like, Eugene Merman. He's, <laughs> like, the weird... I love Eugene Merman, but, like, he's a really weird comedian. And, like, you're not going to out-weird that dude. And I was like... And I'm, I just... I always get fascinated by that. It's... It's weird. It's hard to... Sometimes... I mean, I even just two minutes ago put something out on Twitter that I felt like was too complaining about it where I don't want to seem like I'm going okay this is why I'm not getting this this is why I'm not getting this this is I mean because it's not that I think that I just feel like it's not just about me it's about like okay I don't care if I'm not the woman put up there on stage but there should be a woman up there on stage does that you know so it's 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 sometimes hard to be the voice and not sound like you're being this like harpy shrew woman that because that's what our first response is frequently is like, oh, you just saying that because you want to get this stand-up gig, or you're just saying that because you want to get this writing job, you know, but... No, no, you're right. And then when you're the person who gets to that level, and then you start to do it, people still don't even look at you right. Like, even like like a Amy Schumer or something like that. Like, And then you get the thing that you're after, and you try to change it, and then people still bitch about you. You really can't... Oh, totally. Wait. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does suck. And it, it sucks, too. I don't want to be like, oh, a woman who performs comedy, let's talk about all the issues facing comedy, because I, mean, I think it's interesting, but I also just love talking about comedy. Oh, <laughs> I do, too. But so you were kind of... So you... How did you... Do you have, like, an origin story of how you knew you wanted to become a comedian? Um, I kind of joke that I really wanted to be an actress when I was little, and my mom was like, you weigh too much for that. She, I mean, she didn't really, it, it's that's kind of a mean thing to say about my mom, but, um, but she was kind of just like, I feel like you'd do better in comedy. And there was a lot of reality in that because like, I realized I didn't really want to say what other people told me to say. Mm -hmm. I like, I wanted to, to be the one writing it. Um, but it took me going to college to realize that I just hated theater people so much that I wasn't like willing to be around them. Yeah, um, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I, I do not like theater kids, at least in high school. Even now, it's like... And I loved performing. Like, I, I loved being in plays in high school, and I was always, like, the old woman or the comedic, you know, relief, or, like, the best friend, wacky person. So, like, I loved it. But the, the serious, dramatic roles, I didn't care about them, and I, like, didn't care what was happening on Broadway, and I didn't couldn't make myself know the names of every, you know, director at, that had ever existed. And so I just kind of tumbled into being into writing, I guess, more than anything. Yeah. Um, but like, so you knew what you wanted to do and you started at a young age, which I think is fucking awesome. And then all of these new tools that weren't around, God, I don't know how old Twitter is, but it wasn't what it is now even 10 years ago. So, like, I, I think your generation, or our generation, rather, I think we're technically both millennials, like, learning the most impossible business as it is, and, you know, you're able to 
use Twitter. Like you said on your other podcast, you started Twitter in like high school, and then obviously you have some good self-discipline with it. And then, yeah, uh, I mean, I started it in high school a lot too because I wanted to have a thing that my family wasn't following me on. Mm-hmm. And so I started it, and I was like saying, I was always a class clown in high school because I was like this really overweight, nerdy kid. Um, and I had very popular friends, but I wasn't, I was like the cliched, like fat friend that they like let tag along and just make fun of shit. I don't, I don't really know why, but, um, so that was always what I'd been in school. And I kind of just got a Twitter and thought, okay, finally my family's not following me on this. I can say what I want to say. And it just got out of hand pretty fast, I guess. So, so what, what was like performing stand up in LA? Like, is that what's that experience like? Well, for the first about four years I did stand up, I did it all at school. I did it all at venues at USC because I was part of this group of um, like a school group that did it, which was actually incredible. It was such a like a nice entrance into doing comedy because we're all still good friends to this day and we would do shows every week and it you know we'd help each other out we'd you know we'd have meetings and run our jokes past everyone and get notes from them and they're still really really hilarious people that are still doing stand-up but um what the cool thing was though is that because it was a college in los angeles when we would go out and do things that were bigger than ourselves, like enter competitions or do whatever it was that wasn't on the USC campus. I've gotten to do stand up with like Gerard Carmichael and Dane Cook and Adam Levine and um, Adam, what is his name? Matt, what is his name? I just messed that up totally. Adam. The kid from Workaholics? Yeah, what's his name? Whatever. The kid from Workaholics, Adam something, Adam right? Levine from Rupert? It's like Levine, Levine, I don't know. It's not important. He's not important to me now. Just kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, Uh so so you were performing with Maroon 5 in front of the biggest band in the entire world. I literally am married to Adam Levine, the lead singer of Maroon 5, right now. Yeah. It's worked out incredibly well for me. That was quick for 22. You got your sugar daddy, and you're good. I'm good. I am set. Just a little fair warning. There's a good chance he cheats on you. Oh, I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah, I think it's pretty open about that. Wasn't he married? What? Actually, I wish I didn't. I wish I wasn't the one that just said that. Isn't he married? I don't know. He is married. He's yeah, married. I wish, I wish you said that first and not me. It's okay. It's yeah. okay to know those things. You got to keep up with with the fake people that that we pretend we know. You know. Well, I like. I feel like I like always have my toe in the water and stuff because like I just enjoy pop culture and that kind of stuff. But then once it goes a little deeper, I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. I know like celebrities dogs names and i read all about it and i can't tell why and i'm hoping that at some point i stop but i also am am submitting to the fact that i have a really bad taste in everything like i just have terrible hobbies like Mm -hmm. uh, like reading celebrity gossip and i like read stupid books and watch stupid tv shows but it works out you're set then well and you're trying to make a go at it in a hard industry on Twitter and podcast, two things that notoriously don't pay anyone any money. It's perfect. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> what could now, go wrong? Now it's driving me crazy. I know, I don't, I don't know his name. I, I know what you're talking about, but I, I really like Gerard Carmichael. That guy's fucking funny. 
Oh my god, he's so funny. I haven't got to watch a show yet. I, it's on my list of things to do. His stand-up is so good. Yeah, I saw and... him once, and he was like, it was like it was the Oddball Comedy Fest tour. He put, I saw him on, and it was right before I saw Neighbors, and like, God, that dude's so fucking funny. But that's so it's crazy, so... like, just to be like, oh, we're doing our first like competition with Dane Cook. Like, were you into Dane Cook when he was on top, like, running the world of comedy? I I was kind of. I, this is a little bit weird about me. I didn't know about comedy growing up um, at all. Like, I didn't know it was a, an option or even a thing until I was... I think I found out about stand-up comedy when I was about 17 years old, which is, like, way later than every other comedian I know. And, like, I've... I'm not trying to say this to sound like a hipster or, like, a... Like, it sounds like a dick when I say things like this, but... Um, I never have seen SNL. I've never watched a late night show. I have no, like, my touchstones of comedy aren't, like, popular things. So I didn't really know nearly as much as everybody else seems to. I'm so far behind everyone. So a little bit I, I was into Dane Cook. I mean, he was everywhere. It, you know, like, you couldn't have escaped that too much, but... Um, I think that's... Uh gonna give you an edge up because your voice is gonna be more unique i mean well first of all thank you but i kind of i still kind of avoid stand watching stand-up for that reason because i think i don't want to i don't want to accidentally repeat stuff because in my mind you know i'm still just doing stuff that i think will make my dad laugh kind of you know and you sound like every comedian ever exactly yeah but every (laughs) comedian i mean yeah i I don't think because comedy it's you most good comedians you can't really listen to other people's work because you're going to end up absorbing it. Even, like, Robin Williams, before he passed, was, his famous episode of WTF was talking about how he just couldn't even do it. Cause, and sometimes people are dicks and steal your work, and then sometimes things just get absorbed. Like, you know, you just both come to the same idea. It's Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Like, um, oh, You kind of sound oh. like you have a little bit of a similar background. Do you know, like, who Donald... You must know Donald Glover. Yes. Yeah, I, I listen to a ton of podcasts, but I remember him listening to him, and I think his family was, like, Jehovah's Witness, so, like, he came up, same thing, never seen SNL, having no background context of comedy, so when he did make comedy, that, that's what made, like, him so unique, because he's just, like, he just was, his, he's just, his, he's a fucking beast doing his own thing, which I think is great. I, I mean, I, I mean, I it started that way so much for me. Cause like, I didn't, my family didn't really let us watch TV growing up. My dad was like super strict about everything. And, and even to this day, my dad hates comedy as a genre, like hates comedy. That's a weird thing to say, but because he's so funny that he thinks that everybody ought to be as funny as a comedian, that it bothers him that he thinks it's pretty arrogant to like go on stage and try to be funny. He's like, you should be doing this in your everyday life. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not, I mean, in a lot of ways, as I've gotten older, my opinion has merged so much more with my father's, which is like that scary moment of, oh my God, I'm becoming one of my parents. But, um, but I think there is some truth to that of like, I've gotten more interested in the writing aspect of things because then you get to make this story where there are funny people living their life rather than these out of context, you know, stand up sets that are a little bit harder to anchor. Do you think, like, stand-up is your... Are you going to be, like, a true stand-up? Or, like, a lot of stand-ups, it's it's a means to, like, get writing, get acting, get stuff. And then there's, like, the Jerry Seinfelds who, like, 
But even Seinfeld says there's very few people in the comedy world who are just a true blue stand-up, because, I mean, that's a fucking tough life. It really is, and I don't think, I would never call myself a true stand-up, first of all, because I don't do nearly enough shows or work at it, and I have stopped doing work totally, but um, I did start that way, where I never thought I was going to write, I just thought I was going to do stand-up forever, so it's weird that I, I, I definitely shifted from thinking that that's what exactly what I was going to be. Um, and I still love stand-up, so I, I wish I did more of it, and I wish I'd, I... But I work nights now. I work about six or seven nights a week, so... Oh, yeah. I can't really do any shows ever. Like, I can't... I can't do open mics. I can't do shows right now, so... It, it's just... It is what it is right now, but hopefully one day I get to go back to it. Yeah, and that's, like, this weird thing of, like, you want to pursue your passion... But not everyone has the opportunity to do that, especially when you're like, I need now to work because I need to afford where I live. You know what I mean? So it's, oh, totally. It's that weird balance I think we all kind of have. <laughs> yes. But, um, uh, so I, I forgot which one I was listening to. But so you, I don't know if you still are, but you at one point were working for Groundlings, the, the very famous, amazing Groundlings. I still am working for them. I, um, have ne- I don't really do improv. Or sketch, which is very bizarre, but um, I love working there almost because of that, because then when everybody around me is really successful and happy with what they're doing, I don't feel like I'm being left out of it, where I'm like, oh, I could be doing your job, but here I am just running things behind the scenes for you. Oh, so you're you're actually a fan. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. Like, to be a fan of it and be a fan, it's so fun. Yeah, I mean, I like, I... I love getting to work there and it's not something that I'm going to end up pursuing in any way. Like I, I don't really have any interest in improv or sketch at all, but I love that I'm like near to these people that are really creative and really funny people that are awesome. And I get to work with them all the time. So how did you end up in that line of work? Like working there? I started as an intern and I interned there. And then I also interned at funny or die. And I ended up just, getting asked to keep working at Groundlings and I loved it and they're really flexible and they like I don't know they are very easy on me so I took the job that's great I mean everyone I mean everyone has come out of there oh it's it's crazy what just like a normal behind the scenes like the woman who plays Flo is like someone who comes into the office every day like the progressive woman she just like comes into the office frequently and like yeah. that's like a normal person to walk in I you know her name. what i forgot her real name but i heard her someone referring to her like yeah cause i i you know like me i didn't know who she was i just knew she was that person who landed the sweetest deal ever of doing the flo- the progressive commercials but I oh, yeah, yeah she's just, like, the thing. nicest person in the world, too. I sound like I'm name-dropping. I'm just saying it's, like, yeah, a cool no. place to, to work where you get all these people. Well, I mean, I wouldn't expect... You can't work there and not unintentionally... It's not name-dropping, but, yeah, like... I mean, before, like, UCB kind of became what it is now, like... It was, like, Growlings and Second City were, like, all of the SNL alumni. Oh, totally. And, like, and then even, like, the more, like... The, like, isn't a lot of the Mad TV people come from there? A ton of them. That's actually like the big underrated part of that. I think is like like the Phil Lamar era of Mad TV was very heavily influenced. Um, Michael McDonald. Yeah. I love Phil Lamar too. 
Yeah. And the cool, I mean, like, the cool thing is, in the sense, so, like, like I, I almost don't want to say this because it sounds like a stupid Hollywood thing to come out of my mouth. And I'm so Missouri that I'm, like, already hating what I'm going to say. But everybody's incredibly nice because it's still a small theater that's not, like... I don't know. It's small enough that everybody knows each other and they're very nice to other people and everyone knows your name. And so it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So like on your average day, anyone in the entire world could walk in? Oh, totally. I mean, the only time I've ever like freaked out about who was coming in though, because I'm not a big celebrity person. Like my attitude is like, I don't really have anything to say to you. You're just a cool person. Why would you want to talk to me? But the only time I ever freaked out was apparently Paul Simon was coming in. And my bosses, but like two of my bosses called me because I know I love Paul Simon. And they were like, hey, Paul Simon's coming in to see a show. <laughs> so that was it. That did was you get to meet him? I did not get to meet him. He ended up canceling that night, but yeah. he rescheduled a different night when I wasn't there. So Yeah. Would you? Like, there's that old thing of, like, you're not, you should never meet your idols. I don't think I'd want to meet him. I really don't. Because I, I, I'm kind of like with you, like, like, I just went to Comic-Con and... It's that weird thing, it's like, I don't want, if I ever, I have that weird thing where I'm almost like, I want to be like another friend, I'm like, I'm above this, I'm cool, but like, <laughs> if you're in that scenario, it's, you're going to walk up, say something for 30 seconds, you're like, oh, I met this person, that's great, and they're never going to remember you for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, they don't, I mean, I think they're flattered by it, it's not like I think like, oh, it's rude to do, I just feel like... It can, I guess it depends on the scenario, I think it's okay at like Comic-Con, but if someone's out to dinner with their family, like, just leave them alone. Yeah. Also, I mean, even even if I if I were at Comic Con, if I saw a celebrity, I wouldn't ever talk to them. Like it wouldn't occur to me. I'm like, why? What would I say to them? Just like I like you. I don't know. You know, it's, who it's, I actually saw. Um, do, do you know the comedian Ron Funches? Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's yeah, great. Yeah, I'm a really big fan of his, and he was performing there, but he was like walking around the floor, and I was like, I saw my wife. I was like, we, I, I don't know what to do. And this is like Comic Con, like I mean, this is, so I, I was like, well, we gotta say hi. Just it was he was on the floor, and it was just like it wasn't inappropriate. So I just very quick, like oh, I'm just a huge fan, and I got to, I'm gonna go see you perform tonight. And he's like, is this your wife or something? And he was like, really, sweet. he's like, you two are adorable. And I was like, oh, this is so sweet. And I got to meet a comedian I really like, like 30 seconds, <laughs> and I take a step back and turn, and I literally bumped into Henry Winkler. Oh, wow. It was well, like, there you go. So weird. But then I was like, oh, sorry, Sarah, and just walked away, because I was like, I, I can't bother fucking um, uh, Barry Saperstein from the rest of development. He, he doesn't got time for me. And I don't, <laughs> it's hard to not separate people from their characters, so I just kind of let it be. But, uh, and then you also worked for the uh, intern at The Funny or Die, which is, like, they put out everything that's amazing. Yeah, it was, that was also very... Um, almost accidental. Like I applied for a lot of places through USC and I wanted to work for a production company instead of like internet humor. I didn't really have any connection with videos or anything like that. So when I worked at funny or die, they had like so a ton of interns on the internet side of things. And then they had a couple that were doing um, script reading for their their other company, Gary Sanchez, that does the movies and that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay make. And that was the side that I loved working for because I just got to sit and read scripts all day, which I'm so willing to do. If anybody wants to hire me to read their scripts, please, please let me. I love scripts. 
Yeah. Is that like another avenue for you, like um, writing, I mean, screenwriting and like script doctoring and stuff? I went to school for screenwriting, so I would love to end up there if possible. Like, that's what I would hopefully get to do someday. Um, in the meantime, I'm kind of just doing anything that I get to do. I just kind of say yes to because I figure why not? Because um, I'm 22, so I, I feel like I'm relatively young for what's happening, what I've gotten to do um, since moving here. So hopefully one day it's screenwriting, but right now I'm just doing whatever. Well, yeah, everything leads to something. You just don't know whatever it is. Yeah. Is performance the thing you're after the most, or more like, are you a behind-the-scenes kind of person? I I really love um, kind of the Amy Schumer model, where it's like you have your hand in every single part of it, where it's producing it and creating it and starring in it. I mean, of course, that's the absolute ideal kind of thing, but... Um, Hopefully one day it's it's multiple things, and I like, I do like the the control that writing gives you. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, uh, it's sad to say, but especially for women, like the and and minorities, minor, the roles don't exist enough where you you have to write it, you have to do. It oh, totally. I thought uh, Matt, I don't know if you got, happened to see Masters and None, but I thought they did a really good job with that. And um, on uh, the episode was like. Indian actors. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's incredible! But like, it's just how every, well, yeah, I won't give it away. It's a really great episode. But yeah, you're, you're the work you want to do for someone like you or anyone. It's like, unless you're a beautiful white guy, it just oh, that role does not really exist unless you're like a perfect, beautiful species. Like I, I watched like Arrow and like. Everyone on there is a fucking model. Like, even the character who's supposed to be from, like, the ghetto is just, like, a chiseled god. It's so... It's weird. Yeah, that's actually kind of... I mean, in a roundabout way, that's kind of what got me into writing originally, was I wanted to... to I kept feeling like, okay, I wish this existed for myself, and I wish this existed for myself. And I, I had always grown up writing. Like, I was in third or fourth grade and I would just make word documents on my computer and write books that I wanted to read and I never finished them or did anything with them but I didn't realize then that I was kind of setting myself up for doing this now but that idea of you have to write your own roles is so true especially in comedy because you have to you you have your own voice so you kind of have to make it work no, absolutely. Yeah, because no one, no one knows your sensibility, you know? It's like, there's a few great people out there, but then there's just a lot of shit out there. Like, yes. most TV shows, most movies, most comedians, most improv, most of it's terrible. I mean, it just yeah. is. It's just, it's same with music. A lot of it sucks. And then the stuff that gets to the top, like when you get, like, a, for every, like, Amy Schumer or Louis C.K., there's probably about 20,000 wannabes that were just fucking god-awful. Yeah, and I also think that, like, a lot of it, too, is on that note of, like, things that are awful. Like, I think a lot of the stuff I write is absolute crap, too, but I think it's, like, in my mind, I I feel like you have to get some of that out there first. Not out there as in, like, out to the world, but you have to get it written and get it done, and you have to put in your hours of being shitty at something, whether it's stand-up or performing or writing, before you get good at it. And I think a lot of people don't do that. I think they give up pretty quickly. 
Yeah, it's the whole Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hours thing. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone you watch like Amy, uh, like Louis C.K., like his, you watch one of his hour specials. You know that guy's what like in his late forties and has been doing it for. A is a gifted and talented comedian, who's been doing it for thirty fucking years. Like that's not his first joke he's ever written. Like, if you watch oh, old Louis C.K. stuff from like when he was working at Conan years, he's not really that. I don't know. I don't really think he's that good. Like he doesn't get funny until he's like way older. Oh, totally. I mean, it's the same exact principle with Twitter too. It's like the the only way you get good at anything is that you learn what works and what doesn't. And that's a slow drawn out check, like process of like guess and check. Sometimes like you really don't know what's at some point you start learning. Okay. This kind of thing works for me. Okay. This works. This doesn't. I mean, not that I'm tweeting so that I can, I tweet stupid stuff all the time that I know no one's going to give a shit about. So it's not just about like, getting people to follow you but have you um gone to like do any like not research like dive back and find the stuff you missed from growing up like listening to like like old george carlin or like uh lily tomlin records or anything uh i my for christmas i get like almost every year my dad like tries to be supportive of me doing comedy he's like really sweet he means so well but he doesn't get it um, but he's been giving me like old, um, a lot of Robin Williams, a lot of, um, some Richard Pryor, some old, even older stuff that I didn't even know that much about. Uh, Jonathan Winters, who's hysterical. Um, but some stuff like that I've gone back to look at. But again, I, I don't watch too much comedy. I'm bad about watching it. It feels like homework to me sometimes. So. Yeah, because you're doing it. Well, it also, is, is I get the, uh, really watching the bad, knowing the dogs' names, and watching Kardashians comes in because it's like, turn your brain yes, off. I know all the Kardashians' names and yeah. stuff. It's bad. It's very bad. Yeah, there's um, I had a, a writer on here who like writes for like, uh, oh, Workaholics with their, your Adam Levine ish guy. Question mark. What's his name? Who knows? I we'll really figure don't it out. Know. And I'm, I know we could look it up. I'm not, I just don't. I'm not gonna. Um, Sadly, that episode never will exist because of some technical difficulties, and I'm still bummed because it was one of the better episodes. Oh. But he um, was just telling me, so he was, like, working, he works on the grinder now. When we were talking, he was just starting the grinder. But, like, you know, you just perform, and you write, you write, you write. He's like, I go home, and I watch all the worst TV, like Survivor, MasterChefs, Kardashians, just loves reality TV. Oh, totally. I mean, I, well, probably my favorite show, and this, I mean, like, I like a lot of other shows, and I think that other shows are a lot better than this show, but my favorite show is Bachelor slash Bachelorette, and I watch every episode. I'm so into it, and it's it's stupid. I'm not trying to pretend to anybody that it's not stupid, but, like, my everyday life includes a, a, everybody trying to be very funny and nobody trying to be sincere, and so when you have these shows that are just, like, dripping with, like, these cheesy romantic things, like, that does not exist in my life ever, yeah. so... I love watching it. Like, it's very foreign to me and very, like, bizarre and fun to watch for me because I don't... That doesn't exist. I'm, like, a single 22-year-old, so, like, it's great in my world. Well, yeah, the effect you get from that is what I get from watching comedy after... I work for a behavioral health company, so, like, the last thing I want to do is come home and watch uh, serious things. I'm like, I just need to laugh, and 
not think about all the fucked up things I heard all day. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's very true. It's like we you don't you want to break from whatever it is, even if it's like really, even if it's comedy. It's like I don't want to always be listening to someone trying, you know. Have you ever met like a comedian or someone who works in com- comedy, who's just too fucking wrapped up in it and like they've done it too long? Like I've had this experience. Oh, totally. They just they're fucking miserable and they hate everything. You're like, oh, have you seen yeah. this? And they're just elitist. You don't like this because blah, blah, blah. And this is why you shouldn't like this popular thing. I'm like, dude, who cares? Oh, it's so, it's, it, there's so much bitterness out here. And like in a lot of people that have been doing it for so long and haven't made it in whatever it is, capacity. And I, I get that on one hand, because if you want something that badly and it's not working, I, I do get it. But on the other, I'm still, it's been, I've lived here five years and I, no joke, get excited every time I see a palm tree, which is a ton of time to still like palm trees. But I kind of try to keep that attitude of, like, it is incredible that I'm here. It's incredible that a kid from St. Louis with, like, immig- immigrant grandparents is in L.A. getting to do anything at all, you know? So for me, I can't imagine getting there, and I really am fighting that so hard to just be so grateful that... Yeah, because you can I get to do this. Louis. <laughs> yeah, the other option is being back in Missouri, so <laughs> kind of have to love this. I think everyone has that wherever they're at. They think of the other timeline of what they would have been doing. Like, yes. I didn't do this. Even whatever the job it is, whatever relationship or whatever it is. Like, I always think if I never met my wife, I was like, I'd be living in a wedding bedroom apartment back home. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then, uh, but it was just funny to listen to the other podcast because I, I love hearing. Um, the other side of, like, dating, like, from the women's perspective, but, like, <laughs> you're so funny on Twitter, too, because, like, it's funny, it's so great to see, like, a single female and then, like, being hilarious about it, because <laughs> that does, I don't know, at least in the media, it's always the male point of view about trying to get a boyfriend, not, this is your story specifically, but, like, about a guy trying to get a girl and then it failing, so it's so funny when you see the opposite portrayed in, like... I honestly, all that stuff really is internet. Like, all, all that stuff is, like, web videos I've watched or, like, Twitter and, like, seeing the female experience, but, like, that same self-deprecating, like... I really experience. am fascinated by, like, that the whole thing of, like... Because being single for me has never been, like, what I see on TV of, like, the How I Met Your Mother or whatever it is. Like, I didn't really watch that show, but I know there was, like, that famous thing about Ted and how many women he'd slept with over oh, such a God. short period of time. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the reality of being single at all. That's and not the reality think... of most people. At least it wasn't for me either. Even college wasn't the way I always thought, like, they make it out to be. I was like, really? Because I'm not oh, doing totally. well these shows tell me I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And I feel like there's also this huge myth that, like, girls can get it whenever they want it. And that's so untrue. And, I mean, part of that I fell is... for that myth, too. I'm... I... And as I got older, I was like, oh, like, you know, it's, yeah, and it's, I, what, you were on the OMFG podcast, I believe it was called? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, hearing that, I was like, oh, women go through this stuff, too? Girls are afraid to talk to boys? Because, of course, everyone, the reptilian brain's like, why doesn't a girl just walk up to a guy? And everything will be fine. But I was like, well, because men and women are complex, and not everyone is everything. Like, Oh, totally. And I mean, like, there. I am not, I'm very 
like I'm willing to walk up to guys occasionally. Like I've done it before. I'll put it that way. I should say, I shouldn't say I'm like totally willing, but I've definitely done it where I've put myself out there and been like, you know what? We just, just got to take one for the team. If you really want this to happen, got to go introduce yourself. And it's not that it doesn't work. And they're like, ew, please leave me. You disgusting trash woman. But like, it is also, I mean, like I failed a lot of times. So I, it's, it just is a funny thing to me that we don't talk about how women get turned down for sex, for dating, for all kinds of things. Like, we get turned down, too. We're, no, we're I, rejected. I love, I, I love any time you hear a different story, and that's why I, I like... And maybe it's, like, a new wave of comedy, but, like, or comedians I'm following at the time, because you, you seem to do... Maybe it's, like, a type of comedy, I'm like, this is really fucking funny. I love, but you're right. How I Met Your Mother, like, Ted is fucks, like... He has a ton of sex before he meets his mother, and then they gave us a very disappointing series. I was like, I remember watching that show and be like, I was in a relationship as I was watching it. I was like, I'm around this age, and I don't go to the bar this fucking much. I can't even. Also, like, even Amy Schumer, who's great and talks about being single, she like, and a lot of women, when they talk about being single, they talk about like, sleeping around and like how much they get dick and all this stuff and I'm like that is not the experience for everyone like by the way there are definitely people that don't have that experience yeah, you know a lot, of, uh, a lot of Netflix and ice cream and just exactly there's yeah no, I like here yeah it, it it's it's kind of funny no you're absolutely right and I wonder if it's just because like with Amy Schumer it's just like that's the movie she sold because that's the movie that people I mean, I love Trainwreck, but that's also the story that, she, and I think she did a great job at it. And I'm sure I don't know if it's her, her story, but like it's like maybe she wrote a different version of where she didn't get any at all. No one is going to make that movie. But see, that's the thing is like that's something that I'm actively working on right now is like a script. It, I mean, I'm thinking about doing more of a pilot rather than a movie, so that you can actually see long term what it would be like to be a single woman. And I almost want it to be like the antithesis of like the Ted Mosby where it's like a woman who doesn't get sex while she's single, even though there's like this myth out there that she would kind of thing. Like, I think that's really interesting to watch of like, Oh, it doesn't, you're not just out there like waking up in random dudes. beds. <laughs> like, I don't know. You're not at clubs every single night and getting drunk every night. It's like, no, I go to work. Right. Like, you just live and a normal the- life. Those, yeah, and like, yeah, exactly. I just think there's another story out there too. So, babe, you should write it. I I'll work on it. I'm working yeah, on. That's it. what this is here. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, obviously, I have no idea how you write a movie, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not my forte at all. But um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, where could people find you online? Well, they can find me online on Twitter, always, uh, at one follower, no dad, the number one, and then the word follower, and then the word no, and then the word dad. Um, and then I've been writing for The Guardian, so there, too, but it's mostly on Twitter. And just a fair warning, um, your very hilarious website isn't real, the shorty fire burning on the dance floor. <laughs> I'm really working on getting my own real website and making it shoddy fire burning on the dance floor, but I can't get a .gov, obviously, but I'm, I want You it. have no idea how I thought that was real for the longest time until I saw the .gov, and I was like, oh, that's fucking funny. <laughs> I, 
I wish. I've had so many people tell me, like, your website's down. I'm like, nope, it's it's, it's not, not real. real. <laughs> it's just not real. That's awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Have a good rest of your night. You too. I.